episode two. Welcome, Legends. Thanks for coming along. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming back, perhaps. I know that we're doing a bit of a dump at the moment, so I don't know where this quite sits in your listening, but regardless of whether or not this is your first episode or this is the last episode you'll ever listen to, thanks very much for joining in. Today on the show, I have a very special guest. He's my brother, which is quite interesting, but I think in terms of the vibe of the show, in terms of what we're what we're looking to get out of having this little podcast that we have, he's definitely the type of guy that we wanted on the show. He He's an Australian men's netballer. He recently travelled to New Zealand to play in a nationally televised men's netball series um, for the first time ever. It was nationally televised. He is part of the West Coast Fever. He's a training partner. And actually, after the recording, I found out he... There's the four of them that are training partners. They're the only paid men's netballers, the only official training partners in the whole world. So um, him and his three WA mates are the first uh, four men to ever be paid to play netball and to be part of that elite environment. So it's very special. Obviously, men's netball, it's a, it's a low-profile sport at the moment that's getting a bit of hype and trying to be built up like anything, but... I think that's really interesting and it's really interesting to chat to people like that. One of the things that I'm most proud about him, one, is when I'm watching him because this guy is an absolute freak. Make sure you watch some highlights on KO and actually have a look at this because what he does, not many people in the world can do it. But the other thing that I'm very proud of is the fact that he backed himself, he knew what his heart wanted and he said, hey, I'm just going to go and get it. I'm not going to worry about what other people think maybe he does like we all have those voices in our head that it's like what if people think like that but he just shuts him down and he's truly loving playing netball he's there seven days a week he leaves work early he has to catch up on work on the weekends he's always playing netball and he loves it it's truly where his passion lies so i'm very proud of what he's achieved so far and i can't wait to see what comes next but for all of you, thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. Bit of a warning, the audio quality wasn't super good, again, um, but this will be the last time that we have bad audio qualities. Hopefully the mics we got can carry us from now on. Please like, follow, subscribe to the show, tell your mates, and enjoy listening. Dylan McPherson, it's a cool story, and it was great to have him on board. Here we are. Our guest today is a talented, passionate, and hilarious bloke who I also have the immense pleasure of calling my brother. I call him that not because of our close bond. Uh, we are actually biological brothers. The guest today, Australian men's netballer Dylan McPherson. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm good. That's yeah, good. I'm very good. Feels um, very weird to be interviewed by your brother in this context, but we'll see how we go. Your last interview was on Studio 10. Uh, I can't remember the, the name of the host. There's the blonde lady and the and the Irish man. How am I going compared to them so far? Well, similarly, they are my siblings as well. So, <laughs> so far, I've only been interviewed by a media relative. So, yeah, it's pretty the same, actually. Now, I love to start the show by one thing that I'm doing a lot at the moment, a little bit of a gratefulness exercise where we name three things that we're grateful for that have happened to us in the last seven days, things that went well for you, 
Usually people get me to go first because they haven't been given time to think about it, but you got time to think about it. So do you want to lead the charge or do you want me to? Uh, no, you can. Great. I actually didn't think about it. So. Oh, really? Okay, well, you were given the opportunity. Okay, but you, you go. All right, I'll go. I was really banking on you letting me have time to think about <laughs> it. The last seven days, I saw some. I saw some friends last night, which was which was great. It's always good to just see mates and and be around people. I'm getting to the stage where can't wait for Saturday just to see your friends. You don't have to. You don't have to drink or party. You can you can just literally go and be around people who make you smile. Um, I went for a run today, and I was really proud of my pace today. Usually, I just sort of plot along and get the K's in the legs, but something came over me today and, and I really stretched them out. Um, and on Friday, I was woken up, rudely woken up, and on Saturday, I was rudely woken up by my nieces and nephews. So I saw um, three of the four. Unfortunately, couldn't see the, couldn't get the fourth done in the end. Um, but those two days, I was I was woken up from my slumber, which was a bit disappointing because I'm doing night shift at the moment, but Great to see him. I love those kids very much, and I know you do too. So your turn. Three for me. I'm grateful to returning to netball. Um, had sort of a week and a half off. <laughs> With a grade two hamstring strain. Grade one, apparently. So I think it's fine. No, I felt fine. So, yeah, grateful to return. Um, it was, it's, you know, I do love it. So it was nice to get back on court and throw the ball around and different group of people back in WA. So it was really, really lovely. and. Um, I love routine, so it's nice to be back knowing where I'm supposed to be. You're at the gym this day, you're at the court this day. It's great. I don't think about myself. I'm grateful that I went for a swim because you and I are doing quite quite an um, impressive race coming up, and there's been a bit of criticism about me not having swum yet. So I've got in the pool three weeks before we need to do it. You're an international athlete. You should be fine. I'm not a swimmer. Anyway, but I'm grateful that I did that and I survived and I feel confident I'll make the distance. Time will be questionable, but I feel really confident on distance. I feel like I'm doing the run leg, which is the last leg, and I feel like I'm going to have to remember the course because the cones would have been packed up by the time that I get to start my run. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no way you'll be running with anyone else. But that's what I want to give you. Space. If you could also give me a head torch because I'll be running in the dark. (laughs) Nah, I reckon I'll be right. And uh, third thing, yeah, probably probably very similar. Grateful to spend a bit of time with family. Had had a bit going on on the family front with our with our grandparents. So nice to sort of, I guess, see everyone. Not a great context, but see everyone. Um, you know, up seeing mum and dad and you a lot this week. And I similarly have caught up with with niece and nephews. And after a really really busy period, um, probably the last three or four months with netball gearing up for Trans Tasman. Um, I, I neglected that a little bit, so it was nice to to sit down and 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 catch up with everyone, have a red wine. It was it's been really lovely. So now I'm back. I, I look forward to doing that again next August. It's a good three. It's a good three, and it'll be worth the ten month wait. Now, before starting this podcast, as you know, I was a journalist down in the southwest of WA. I actually used to write articles about one of your teammates, and I could always tell you were thinking. When's my turn? But unfortunately, it wasn't relevant. Well, here we are. I have my own podcast and I can interview whoever I want. I can hear the keyboard warriors typing away saying, you can't interview your own brother, but I can. And I am. And I think you're 
story is definitely one worth sharing. So let's get into that story. Tell me about your last month. What's been going on in your world in the last month or so? Yeah, pretty quiet month. Um, no, incredibly busy month. Um, so I was just away on our Trans-Tasman tour um, with the Australian National Men's Netball Team. We don't have a name yet, so um, if anyone's listening and has an idea. Um, yeah, so we were at the AIS and trained alongside the Australian Netball Diamonds um, and then travelled over to Auckland and played two tests against the New Zealand team in Auckland. Um, and then came home to Melbourne um, and played the final test. So um, got the chocolates, 2-1, which was um, a huge relief. Um, but, yeah, it's been a really busy month, probably um, the busiest sort of netball month I've had in quite a long time. So uh, I'm quite glad to be home. Um, but, yeah, some cracking memories from that trip. That's, that's really awesome. I noticed last week I was listening to my recording and after the guest answered everything, I said, awesome, mate. And I swore I wouldn't do that, and I've just said, that's really awesome. So that's good to know that I'm learning from my mistakes. I don't listen to the show, so don't worry. <laughs> that's good. You're, you're one of many. Uh, so I guess how did it start? It's not a super common sport, and I guess that's why I've got you on the show as well, because we're all about listening to different people with different stories. So how did your netball journey start? Yeah, it's a bit of a funny one, actually, and I'd love to go back in time and, and be able to tell you, because... Mum didn't play netball um, and actually famously still doesn't really enjoy watching it, which is quite vocal about. Um, our sister played, um, but sort of only junior level stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think, honestly, I just think I fell in love with it. I think, um, you know, went to a small primary school and um, was really close with lots of girls and lots of guys. And I think just the girls played it and I enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, as with lots of things when you're a bit younger, if you're good at something, um, you sort of just stick with it. So um, probably played four years, I think, in primary school. And then, um, you know, famously, you're not allowed to play after you turn 12. So the journey was a bit different after that. Um, went away from netball for a while, played hockey, the family sport, um, and then returned socially when I was about 15, uh, just with friends. And just kind of got scouted and and then it went from there and as with everything and I'm sure very true of lots of people's sporting journeys it's just snowballed and snowballed into you know two weeks ago playing for my country so yeah it's unconventional in terms of how I um you know the sport of choice but I think it's a pretty bog standard story other than the the imposed interlude in the middle (laughs) that's a bit different as you said you were scouted during um playing a bit of social netball um, and I know that it's easy for you to say, oh, I got scouted, someone told me to come and play actual netball, but I'm sure that that story, there's definitely a few more chapters in between then. Um, you were playing hockey at the time. How hard was it to sort of make the decision to go, you know what, this is actually, this is the sport that I want to play, this is the sport that I that I want. Um, how long did it take you to make that decision? Yeah, I probably did both for probably three or four years. I think in the end... What um, sort of pushed me away from hockey was that netball just got a lot, um, which was great. You know, I loved it and certainly was always my sport of choice. So, um, yeah, netball just got pretty full on, um, lots of trainings, lots of time commitments. And um, at the time, I was still studying law, so the time was not easy to come by. And, um, yeah, I chose netball, um, obviously, for the pay, very lucrative. Um, No, I I loved it so much and, you know, it's probably been 
the defining characteristic in my netball career. If you talk to any of my teammates, I love netball. I think I, you know, just fell in love with it watching it and I've never stopped loving it. It's just my favourite thing. So, yeah, I don't think I was that good at hockey either. So it sort of happened quite naturally. <laughs> but it almost is it almost is easier. It's like you've taken the road less travelled, the hard road, because I'm sure... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming if people say, what are you doing in your spare time? It'd be easy to say, I play second grade hockey. It's probably a little bit harder. It causes a bit more of a stir when you say, oh, I play men's netball. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's sort of one of those things where, um, you know, it, it's a thing in my life where I don't, I'm very conscious in my life of humility and I often find myself when I'm asked about netball saying, oh, I play netball, but for Australia, because I don't want them to be like, yeah, may I play netball with my girlfriend at Loftus Rec Centre. I have to be like, but I actually play netball. Like, that's my sport. Um, I'm an athlete in that area. So, yeah, that's a bit funny. But, you know, I think, oh, certainly, God, there's a period in my life where I wasn't telling people that I did that and, you know, look back on that now and probably regret that. Um, but you grow up, you learn that, you know, people's opinions aren't always right. And, and you know, as long as you feel comfortable in your family or your friends or whatever is supportive of it, then that's enough for me. So, um, yeah, these days I tell people I play netball and um, it's even weirder now when people say, I oh, saw so you playing netball. That's a weird experience. So, um, yeah. And that's one of the reasons I guess I wanted you on the show where we're all about, between the Ears, that's the name of the show. Um, oh, is it? Yes, it oh. is. As you would know as an avid listener avid. from what I've heard. Yeah, it's about, you know, that belief in yourself and a lot of people, there's things that they want to do. Maybe they want to start a podcast even and they're worried about what people might think. So it's awesome to hear from people like yourself who have achieved something so great just because they put themselves out there. So that is really special. Now, when people think about netball, they think about a nice little wooden floorboards, two posts down either end, maybe a few pom-poms on the sidelines. Men's netball back in the day, it was pretty different. Can you tell me about playing on an indoor cricket facility when you had to play men's netball? Talk to me what it was like. So, yeah, we used to play on indoor court, so indoor cricket and, like, in the nets. Um, So it's just concrete with a tiny bit of astro on it and... Oh, mate, it was crazy. Like, there's six foot four guys running around. I'm not big. You can, like, bounce off the nets. It was absolute pandemonium. And thankfully, we ended up getting moved onto rebounded wooden floors, which saved a lot of knees, I imagine. But, um, yeah, it was a really different time. Netball has come an incredibly long way since I've been playing, probably at that level since I was about 18. So, you know, what's that, three years? Um that 12 years um yeah it's come a really long way and you know it's been a privilege to be a part of that and and sort of watch the evolution it's it's been quite special it's crazy because like like many sports that are you know on the minority side especially you know when you're men's playing a traditional female sport you get handballed you get the dregs it's fine you guys can play on the indoor cricket nets it's halfway between sort of cage wrestling from that the spider-man one and uh, and the game of netball so yeah. It is quite interesting. Is there anything else that you remember about maybe your first state tours or your first time playing netball that's been that's come a long way since then? Um, it was obviously a pretty pretty amateur setup when you 
when you first started? What was it? Yeah, what was it like? Yeah, I think it's funny actually because in WA we were a bit behind the eight ball, so it was really amateur here. Like it was sort of that one competition. I think there were eight teams or maybe six teams, and that was pretty much it. That was all you could do netball wise. And um, we went away in two thousand and fifteen to Sydney. Um, myself and actually four guys that I, I still currently play with, which is pretty special. Um, and I remember getting there. We stayed in probably the worst accommodation that's been known to man. Like the walls were wet for no reason. It was horrific out in Drural, which, oh, don't go. No disrespect to the good citizens of Drural, but it was really far Sounds It just sounds like a sound, like that's not a word, Drural. Yeah, it's onomatopoeia for, <laughs> for what was coming off the walls. Just some letters pasted yeah. together. Um, but I remember walking into that stadium um, and I was, I think I was 22 or 23, um, and thinking, oh my God, there are about a thousand people here playing that ball. And these guys, you know, the Victorians or the New South Wales, they were so good. Like they'd been playing their whole lives. And here's me just come off the cricket nets, played social netball at Belmont Oasis thinking I was kingpin. And we got made look silly by them. Like, they were just insane. And I think that that, you know, when you say what's changed is I was this 23-year-old actively looking for opportunities to participate in men's netball and I had no idea it existed. Whereas now, I think if you're a young boy playing and you want to go out and, and, you know, play men's, it's in your face a bit. You know, there are training partners at Suncorp Super Netball Clubs. It gets live streamed constantly. It was on kids on KO. Um, you know, people go on their brother's podcast to talk about it. Like, there's a lot going on. And I think that that visibility has been the biggest thing. Visibility and a keenness for the general netball community to take it on. You know, I think that as with any sport that has traditionally been one gender, there is always pushback about opening it up and we've seen it with aflw um, when that first came about and i think probably in the last two or three years netball's really turned a corner in that regard um you know we're far, far more welcomed into netball and that's been a really special thing i think so yeah that's probably the biggest difference awesome and tell me about one or i know that it was called sort of the super league or whatever yeah. it was when you used to play on the nets and then you start to become affiliated with the Western Australian Netball League, um, which is the, the state league, the highest league in the state. How did that all come about? And I might have a little inkling that maybe you were involved in the push. You were one of one of many probably trying to... Yeah, one of many, definitely. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't my fault. Um, no, one of many. So um, a good friend of mine and a great teammate, um, Jerome Gilbard, he really led the push. Um, where he was in that 23s team that I was talking about. And... Yeah, we just sort of went to Netball um, WA in, in sort of late 2016 and said, look, we need somewhere to play. Um, we don't want to play in the Nets anymore. We want to be, you know, included in your programs and your pathways. And at that time, I think, you know, different world. Um, I wouldn't say there was pushback. I just think it was logistically, it had never been done. You know, where are the guys? How many play? How many are registered? None of those stats existed. So it was a big risk. Um, for Netball WA, but to their credit, you know, we met, I was on the working group, I think it was about eight of us, and, you know, we met for about 18 months to get it off the ground, and 
um, two of the state league clubs took teams under their wing and, and completely affiliated them. And then we had two that ran separately. And then the following year, 2019, um, four clubs put in for a franchise and included a men's team. And it's been going, yeah, strong ever since. And hopefully it, it expands in the next couple of years. But um, yeah, net, and netball in WA is at the forefront of it. You know, the, the, the people that have been involved in it have been incredible. And they're really on the front foot about inclusivity and, and making sure it, it works and, and that's been really special to be a part of and, and totally led by people like Jerome, like just great advocates for the sport, um, which is, yeah, so I was very privileged to play a, a very minor role. It's funny when you talk about 2016 because people always talk about equality in sport and obviously the last few years, you know, we've had the AFLW, we've had the WBBL because a lot of sports are traditionally more men's-based sports, so we've had the women's league coming in and in 2016 that was around the same time I think the AFLW first season might have been 2017 so it's really interesting that there's that side of the world where it's it's a national you know conversation that's being had about AFLW and all the while in the background we had a few guys that play a traditionally female sport trying to get that off the ground so it's really interesting that it came around at the same time I guess we move further into the future now Tell us about your relationship with the West Coast Fever um, into officially becoming a male training partner. A few people would be a bit confused about how that works because traditionally training partners are second string girls looking to get a game one day. Yeah. And obviously you'll never play for the, the Fever women's side. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how that training partner program works. Yeah, so it sort of all worked um, pretty in parallel, like we would get invited in um, yeah, for a really long time, actually, uh, or come in for match play and things like that. And then um, when Stacey Marinkovic took the job, um, she started to get some of the men involved with it, which was really Jerome at first, and then sort of myself um, and the Dragon Lee Padua and Daniel Cools, um, we started to get invited in. And then, yeah, it was, you know, not, I mean, we were there every you know, every couple of days. So it was pretty set in stone in that way, but no sort of contract or anything like that. And then when Dan Ryan took the job um, at the start of 2022, uh, he sort of prior to the season wanted to formalise that process, wanted to give us some security around, you know, what that was going to look like and, you know, having um, participation agreements and, you know, sort of doing all of that. So, yeah, that's what we are now. And, um, you know, hopefully... We, we get to continue doing that and hopefully it expands beyond that. But I think they still have the same number of female training partners, so it doesn't sort of detract from that. And I think what what works um, in that space, as you say, like I'll never play for West Coast Fever, um, but certainly not their women's team. Maybe one day they'll have a men's team. But, you know, it's just about challenging each other. That's what makes Fever incredibly good is that they are not afraid to put someone like, you know, Draven or Dan, who are these six foot three, six foot four, incredibly athletic, have played netball for 10 years, know what they're doing. They put them on in and it just challenges them, you know, and it makes them um, think differently about the game. The men do play a bit differently. And I think that it's just been mutually beneficial. It's, it's so humbling to be in that environment. Like what those girls can do, man it's they're they're so impressive and you know i think people forget that more people play netball than footy or an rl or anything like that these girls are the best of the best and 
to be able to train alongside them is such a privilege. They make you a better player and they're also fun to be around, which is great. So they won the premiership, so it worked. So if they're listening, I'd love to come back in 2023. It is really cool that the Fever have brought you guys on board. I think there's been... What do you get from that? So you you get a uniform, I think you can use the, the gym wherever you want. And very excitingly, when they won the premiership this year, as you said, you may have got your own medal, which I thought was was really cool because it's obviously a small token, um, but it is really cool. I guess it's living proof that you can put around your neck that, hey, I was actually a part of this. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about, yes, that's what we get, um, you know, and other little things along the way, strapping tape, which is so helpful because it's actually really expensive drum tape. Um, so that's great. But, yeah, the medals, I think, you know, I, I will always look back at look at that medal and I'll think I was a part of it. But I think beyond that, I'll look at it for what it symbolised. They did not need to do it. They didn't need to buy medals for the male training partners. But they did it because they were saying, you add value and you have worked with this program and without you, you know, to, to whatever degree, I don't know, and no one will ever know, we, we may not have done this. And I think that was an incredibly special thing. It speaks volumes of them as an organisation and what they value. Um, and it speaks volumes of their culture. You know, we, we felt like we, we know every structure, every set play, we, we were living and breathing it. We were just in the crowd. And that I think is really cool. Um, and what makes them special is they've got you know, the 10 girls that do it on the court and they've got, you know, this year it was actually six training partners, being our training partners and four men. You know, that's, that's 20 people that have worked their bums off um, for an incredibly long time to win a premiership. And yeah, it was really great having the medal. And very exciting. Obviously, they've had a few heartbreaks in the last few years. So here at the, here at the pod, we were very happy for the, for the fever to get over the line. So if your life was a movie, I'm thinking 19th of October, John Kane Arena, you're playing for your country, facing their first ever series loss, if I'm not mistaken. You played a bit of time in the first two games, but probably not as much as you would have liked as every athlete you want to be on there for, for every minute. And then you play the first three quarters, it's nationally televised, people are rolling through the gates at John Kane Arena home soil, there's been COVID, you haven't played in a while for your country, you play the first three quarters, you go off, sit the first quarter off, probably a bit sore, your country's up by 10 points and you win the series 2-1. Is that the final scene of the movie? Is it when the umpire's whistle goes, the credits start to roll? Is that is that what you think? Is that the first movie in the Dylan McPherson story? Oh, I don't know. I thought you were going to ask me who's going to play me. Who do you think it would be? I don't know, probably like a young Dame Judy Dench, I'd imagine. Um, Do you want me to call you Dame Judy for the rest of the episode? <laughs> well, everyone does. <laughs> no, but John Kane Arena, it was, it was special. It felt really I, significant, didn't it? I don't think, I'm not a producer, but I don't think the end of the game would have been the end of the movie. I think singing the anthem would have been the end of the movie. That would have probably been enough for me. Um, yeah, as you say... Yeah, long time. Honestly, thought I was past it, but my best netball was a long time ago. Um, yeah, it was only my second start ever singing the anthem. Um, you know, mum, dad, 
yourself, our sister Kristen, were in the crowd. My uh, first ever coach, Lorraine Ward, was in the crowd. And I was starting alongside four guys from my home state. Like, roll the credits, we're done, pack it up. Because um, I don't think it will never get any better than that. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't matter about the result. Of course it does. You, you play sport to win. But in that moment, I was pretty content with everything to that point. Um, and, yeah, played three quarters. I had to come off. I was so tired, um, which was a great call by, by our coach. And, yeah, just sat um, on the sideline for that final quarter, um, screaming my lungs out on the bike, um, just thinking, how good is this? You know, what an incredible moment. Then if it never happens again, geez, uh, I'm, I'm so happy with that one moment. You and I, we have two gorgeous nieces and two gorgeous nephews who we love very much. And we had a quote from one the other day who oh. was talking about that particular game at uh, John Kane Arena. Uh, <laughs> nephew Freddie McPherson, he said, Dylan, when you were playing netball for Australia, I said, boring. I want to watch ABC Kids. Yeah. So it's not for everyone, is it? No, it's not for everyone, and um, that's fine. Yes, yeah, really great feedback from Fred. Um, I I love Bluey just as much as the next person, so no, it's. I think it's cool though that they know what it is, and I'm sure one day we'll talk about it, and and hopefully he doesn't still, you know, would rather watch ABC Kids than Old Hard to Me. But um, you know, I think how cool is that? You know, he's. Four, um, three and a, three and a bit, nearly four, and um, you know, he's seen men play netball on TV. That's, you know, I would have loved that when I was four. So, um, yeah, even though he would have rather watch, you know, George Shrinks or something, um, I'll take it. Two things. I think George Shrinks um, stopped being produced in about 1996. Okay, great. Um, I can't remember the other thing. George Shrinks, that's really thrown me. Um, I just think George Shrinks doesn't get enough shout-outs. Yeah. Exceptional show. So my other podcast that I'm working on is a George Shrinks rewatchables. Yeah, Yeah, fantastic. Um, I'd love to find that, actually. Now, you mentioned earlier that you're a lawyer, and it's pretty incredible. From what I know of what you do, there's early mornings at training and then you're a lawyer which is an incredible incredibly hard career we could talk about the mental side of being a lawyer because young people get thrown into um 10 12 sometimes 14 hour days to try and make their pathway so tell me what type of hours you're doing someday tell me about your worst day because we don't want to hear about the easy ones and then also tell me about you know that sort of lifestyle with trying to balance being a lawyer and, and being the best you can be? Oh, the worst days are, are pretty bad. Um, they're, they're few and far between. I mean, the worst days are Saturdays because <laughs> if you find yourself in the office on Saturday, something's gone horribly wrong. Um, so they're the worst days, but I'm incredibly lucky where I work. They're, they're super supportive and I've been really upfront with them about, you know, this period of my life and what I'd like to get out of it netball-wise and I'm super grateful to them because, you know, I don't think a lot of law firms would let let um their our lawyers do what I do, um, which is leave early. Um, not every day. Uh so I'm I'm incredibly grateful, but oh, I think look, uh, I'm sure there's lots of people that would listen to this and say, God, you do way too much and, and that's probably fair enough. But, you know, I chose to study law. I wanted to be a lawyer. I, I really love my job. I, I derive a lot of 
joy out of my job, a lot of sense of satisfaction. And it just so happens that at the same time, I'm in this period of my netball career where, you know, it's really, it's go for broke now because there, there are not a lot of miles left on the clock and I know that. And um, so I take every opportunity that I can possibly get. Um, and, you know, I'm planning for life after netball as well. I, I coach and, and really enjoy it. But as I said before, like, I actually just love it, which is probably really boring. But I, I really love netball. And, you know, I can go to training in the morning and then go to work and then go to training at night and be like, oh, this is the netball. I didn't watch this game for the weekend. And that's the way I'll, I'll relax. Like, I, I just, I love it. So I'm really lucky to be able to do both. And, you know, I think at times I rob Peter to pay Paul, Paul with both things and, and seeing family and, and socialising. And But that's just the balancing act. And that's sort of just where I'm at in my life right now is, you know, of all of those things, netball has a time limit. And I don't want to wake up one day and think, God, I wish I had have gone to that that training session or taking that opportunity because I, I don't think I'm going to wake up and go, God, I should just start working out longer. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. I listened to a podcast with, with Nat Fife on it, okay, and he got asked a question, what would you, what would your advice be for, for younger people looking to achieve something? And it was, don't have a plan B. And I guess you're sort of an example of that where you, between being a lawyer and playing netball, you don't even have time to think of a plan B. I guess, what's it like giving everything to a pursuit? Because this podcast is designed to inspire people and a lot of people won't understand what it's like to absolutely give your all to everything. So what is that like? I guess on the flip side, some of the people that we talk to get paid a lot of money for their pursuit. So what's it like when that pursuit might not show you as much love as as you show it you're putting in elite effort for not elite payouts yes certainly not elite i would say um actually pay for the privilege most of the time but um oh yeah that's a tough one to answer is there a time when you decide i don't want a plan b i want to give everything that i can was there a time where you were like you know what i'm not going to balance i'm not going to try to have this and this and this i'm just going to be the best netballer oh, i can be absolutely I, I went away in 2016 and um i thought i was hot shit i just thought i was the best no one was coming close to me in perth but like i was fitting test, fitness testing the house now i was training with fever like I was Mr. Netball, if you ask me. Dame Netball. Dame Junior Netball. And um, I went away to that Nationals and I knew we weren't going to win because we weren't. Um, and that was a really different time for WA then. And I was that absolute worst person that just wanted to make an Australian team because I thought I was the best. And I thought I was an absolute lock. No way, no way known I wasn't going to make it. Didn't even make a squad. Wasn't, wasn't even close. And I remember talking to Lorraine Ward and I said, you know, I was pretty flat, naturally. And she said, you will never, ever make that team with your head up your ass. Which, that's pretty full on to say that. Um, but it was true. It was exactly what I needed to hear. And that next year, I 
did not pull a punch. I went to every training I was supposed to go to. I did extras in the gym. I would, you know, that was sort of when it started. I'd wake up early, I'd go for a run, I'd go to work for 10 hours, I'd go to the gym, and then I'd do footwork when I got home. I killed myself for about 18 months and made my first national team in 2019. And I think that part of it, like, you don't have to go to extremes. And particularly when you're a professional athlete, you don't because, you know, you're, you're being, it's your job. It, it's literally what you're being paid to do. But for people like me, and netball's not on its own. You know, there are lots of sports where you, people are still working and that still happens in netball. You know, girls still have jobs outside of netball. You just have to be so focused on a goal and it's tiny little goals all throughout. And I'm actually not a great goal setter. Like it's something I really struggle with, but it's like, I want to be able to run this on the yo-yo by this time. I want to be able to bench press this. I want to be able to, you know, trap bar jump this. And then, uh, and then eventually I will make that national team. And as cliche as it sounds, when I wrote those goals, I never put the national team on there. The goal was win a national title because if we did that and I was the center and I was playing my best netball, then it would come. And I think that's, that was a big mindset shift for me, but it was, you know, the kick up the bum I needed to be like, I'm going to throw myself at this hundred percent because otherwise why waste time? Like what's the difference between going to training for an hour and thinking, Oh God, this is so beneath me to going to training at an hour for an hour and absolutely flogging your guts. Like you're there for an hour anyway. So do the do the second one, not the first one. And I hope people would say, and I'm sure they would, I, I am full on a training. Like I'm that guy you don't want to be with in the ball drills because I, I want it done properly because I've got other stuff I need to be doing. So if I waste time there, then it'll annoy me. And to your other part of the question, I often think about it in the context I think for a long time I was thinking about it in the context of who I was at the time. You know, when I was 25 and someone would ask me to do something, I'd be like, oh, God, I'm 25. Like, I want to be doing other stuff and I don't want to do that. And, and I'd take the opportunity because, you know, you'd be stupid not to or, or someone else would want it. So I'd be like, oh, I'll take it, I'll do it. Right? But probably in the last, you know, three or four years, I think a lot about the kid who got told he couldn't play like my past self and for those who don't know listening when you turn you can't play netball at an association level once you've turned 12 basically once you, you're in your seven so i was playing netball um up at gallon districts uh, just for my primary school team millions um and basically hit a certain age i'm not a big guy but didn't matter and you're done you know, and I, I remember mum making inquiries on my behalf and basically they said, no, that's it. And mum would tell her, well, okay, what are the opportunities? So, you know, now he's 12. No, that's it. There's not, netball does not have opportunities for boys at that age group. Now, thankfully that's changed a lot. But, and so when, when I get opportunities or I feel overwhelmed by, geez, there's a bit of netball going on in my life right now, I think that boy would hate me if I turn this down or if I took the opportunity and I didn't take it wholeheartedly, he'd hate me. And I think that that has been a really big motivator for me in the latter stages of my career of being like, it felt like netball did not care. It was like, 
netball doesn't need you. Don't even worry about it. You know, thanks for your service. Watch us on TV, but we don't need you to play. And and I feel like now, every single chance I get, I'm going to make sure that little boy feels like I tried everything to be the best netballer I could. And beyond that, that I tried everything in my power to make sure that the next 11-year-old boy does not have to do that, that there is something for him beyond netball at 11 and then that's it until he's basically able to play state league, which is you have to be 16. I think that is probably the biggest motivator. And obviously, netball will never pay the bills, um, certainly not playing. But, you know, th- there's a world where it does for someone. And how, like, how amazing would that be for me to be able to look back and say, you know, you owe me ten percent of that. <laughs> no, to to be able to say I, I was I was sort of involved in that, and and we talk about it a lot in the Aussie team, like we're custodians of a legacy. It's not ours. Like I don't own it because the first men's netball team for Australia was in nineteen eighty six. They they started it. We just hold it for the period that we get to perform the green and gold, and then we give it to the next person. And your only job. As an Australian netballer, as a as a WA netballer, as a well, probably as a person, is to make sure you give it to the next group in a better place than what it got given to you. And if you continue to do that, then one day, somewhere down the line, someone is going to pay a young boy to play netball, and that will give me the greatest joy ever. And I'll come out of retirement. I was going to say it is it is my next. It sort of is a segue to part of that. You you're banging on the door, right? And there's you know, the show is about what's between the ears and and there must be some part of you that goes, you know, five, ten, twenty five years down the track when there's a Indian Premier League for netball and they're all getting two point five million dollars each for blokes to play netball, there must be part of you that goes or will go and you know you're gonna think of oh, I wish I wish I was there. I wish that was me but it's selflessness really isn't it to to put yourself a, a you know beneath others um for yeah, that pursuit I, oh of course like i'm not i'm not going to sit here and say oh no i'd be so certain of course yeah i'd, I'd love to be paid to find out like what a dream and i could probably come back as a gs i don't do a lot so i just stand there the shortest ball shooter that ever lived um absolutely like that's going to happen but i think the beauty of sort of that the community of men playing netball is that you're so aware that what you're doing in that moment is actually not for you. It's a stepping stone to where you need to be. And it's sort of like it doesn't get drilled into you at all. But, you know, people like Jerome, like Jerome's the president of our state association, he gives so much time to it. There are you know, I'm on the committee, Dan Cools is on the committee. Like, we do a lot to make sure that it looks better for the next generation. And I think that, you know, I'd love to be love to be paid, absolutely. But it is, I still like doing it regardless. It still brings me incredible joy. And I, I think that I will look back, you know, when I'm 50 and hopefully be watching it. And I'll think, good on them. 
you know, I honestly don't think I'll, I'll be bitter or annoyed. I just think I'll be like, it, this is the time for it. Because because right now isn't the time. Like it's it's becoming the time, but it's not it's not ready yet. And um, yeah, I think that that'll be sweet. I'll hopefully coach. So. We will put your we'll put your BSB and account number in yeah, the show notes. Clarity. I would love to be paid to play netball. No, you said you're doing a football <laughs> game. Sorry. Yeah. There's someone there going through about to launch a, a franchise that gets millions of dollars and they're going, Oh, Dylan McPherson was on that was on that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I I guess sort of when you think about obviously AFLW and WBBL, they got all this funding to start. Um which really helps them take off. And obviously, men's netball, you're, you know, you're getting on nationally um, televised games and stuff like that. And it's easy for us with all social causes, whether it be sport or something, you talk it up so much and you... But sometimes you can sit back and be a bit sceptical and go, actually, what inroads are we making? Do you think that you're at the stage now where you've, really making inroads or is it or is it only just starting you know you're, you're pushing that ball up that hill how how far are we going no I, I think we're making inroads now i think that um you know it's been funny actually well not funny but with the increase in other sports as, as you say like women playing football um or you know, rugby league or whatever it may be, it's actually sent a lot of girls out of netball naturally, you know, because there's now there's other sports that they can play. And, and how fantastic is that? Because that's the goal, right? Like you're growing up and you can play whatever sport you choose and it's not gender specific. That amazing. That'd be great. That would have been fantastic in 2000. Um, but by the same token, netball is losing participants and there's a, you know, there's a group of people then who want to play. So I think it's mutually beneficial. Um, and I also think, you know, that that I feel like I, I feel really grateful to be living at this time of the in the world where inclusivity, diversity, people take action. Like I'm a male netballer, I'm queer, and I don't feel like in any way I'm being mistreated i feel like people are pushing me along and it's it's so great and i think that that's what netball is doing really well netball australia world netball they are pushing it along and you know i think that um oh it's an incredible time to to be in the sport to be honest um and i I think the big difference is that us the girls don't get paid enough anyway you know like they they still don't get enough whereas it's a bit different with, with afl you know, the, the men get paid a lot. There's money. There's a lot of money in it. And, and so, you know, that they were sort of able to prop up AFLW for a few years. We're like, I don't want that. I want the girls to be paid appropriately, bums on seats, let's make netball, you know, the, the choice of sport for everyone, not just young girls, but for everyone first. And then let's start looking at, you know, some of those elite men and how we can help support them. But And I don't think anyone in the national program or any of my mates that I talk to play netball are saying, well, let's get a bit of the girls' money. It's not like that. You know, we think that they're phenomenal and they are phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, let's just – just a big injection of cash would be great. Awesome. Well, maybe this podcast is what – I don't know how many financial backers this podcast has. Actually, the podcast needs a bit of money, so maybe we'll go 
give the podcast money, uh-huh. then give the Super Netball yep. Girls some money. I'm paying, paying for free, so don't don't worry about me. Yeah, and you're paying for free, and you're on the podcast for free. So if anything, maybe we can speak to your law firm and you can start doing that for free. It sounds like you hate money. No, yeah, I love money. <laughs> now it's time for you to give a bit of advice. You've got advice for two people. These are the two groups of people that I want you to give advice to. One isn't a group, actually, so that was a lie. The first bit of advice I want you to give is to yourself when you were 18. Yeah? So obviously for many athletes, and obviously this show is going to have a few athletes on it, 18 is when things really start to ramp up. For you, it was still a little bit different. Um, but if yeah, you're probably around then, to be honest, 18. Yeah. yeah. If you look at yourself at 18, what are you, what are you saying? Let's go three things. We had Brandon Stasevich on the show, and he misunderstood. I think he heard that his answer should go for three days. So what we really want is for you to give us three things. Okay. Um, three things for my 18-year-old self. Um Sunscreen and moisturiser, because that's actually been a real big problem lately. I've been smiling a lot on TV, and it's not. So sun, sunscreen and moisturiser would be number one. Number two would be forget what people say. I think you can get so caught up, particularly at that age, of, of worrying about what people say. Um, and even, you know, I, I used to just not tell people. I'd be like, oh, I've got to go home early. I've got something in the morning, fine. And, and not say, you know representing my state and I've got to go to training like that. Why is that an embarrassing thing to say? But I just wouldn't say it because I didn't want to be asked a question. So I think, yeah, forget what people think. Uh, you know, if you like it, if it's safe and you like it and it brings you joy, then do it. Why not? Um, and the other thing I would say to my 18-year-old self and, and probably a few years beyond that is is you need other things. You can't survive on sport. It doesn't feed you. It doesn't clothe you, in my case. But it also doesn't feed your soul. It's not a hug from your mum or a roast dinner or going to see your grandparents. And you can get so caught up in being like, it has to be everything or it's nothing. Whereas I actually think, particularly at that part of your life, it's incredibly important that you've got other stuff going on. And I was really, really guilty of that. Um, of being sort of a bit absent and and, and saying, oh, but it's fine because I'm, I'm I'm pushing it toward netball. Um, so I, I would yeah definitely say that um, skincare, tell people you do it and that you love it, and see your mum and dad. That's what I'd say. Skincare first though. Yeah, top priority skincare, then daylight, then the other two. Then the other two, whatever they were. I can't remember. But that takes care of that skin. Moisturise was too, I believe. <laughs> and then uh, clean the tone. In terms of, we, we spoke earlier about, you made a tough decision and you took the road less travelled. And obviously, you're a you're a very driven guy. Where we want this podcast to inspire people. I keep saying that. And I'm sure that this will inspire someone to go and start that podcast, go start that music career, go do whatever you want to set your mind to. Because that's what you did. Um and it wasn't easy. I know that you seem like the, you're the type of person who didn't give yourself the option of saying, no, I won't play netball because I don't want to tell people at family barbecues. Um, some people would be like that and you're not like that. But what would you say to someone who in the back of their head, they know that they're not where they want to be. They want to change careers or they want to change sport or they want to 
stop seeing that friend who's a bit of an idiot and they have to take the road less travelled. How did you come to that decision and, and what advice would you give to someone looking to do the same? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm certainly like that now, but I, I wasn't like that at all. Um, you know, I, I vividly remember quite famously in a friendship group that I had a bit of a, a row with a mate leaving um, um, just like a, a bar one night because I said, I've got to go, I've got training in the morning. No, no, stay, like, we're all having fun staying. I was like, oh, no, look, I've got to, like, you know, I, I want to, I can't be hungover, you know, I don't, you know, it, it's important to me. It's just netball. And, like, oh, man, that hurt. Like, that really hurt from someone who, you know, had been supported to that point, that when push came to shove, they actually weren't that supportive. And, you know, as with anything like that, you talk it out and, you know, context is everything. But, you know, th those conversations and for anyone out there who's, who's had those conversations, they're horrific. They are so challenging. And I think the biggest thing for me was I was incredibly lucky to have some great friends at the time, um, and particularly our friend Catherine Ferrari, who was just so confident in her knowledge of me that I wanted to do it, that it made me believe that. And I think that's the trick, right? If you know yourself and you know you want to do it, then nothing else will matter. But when you're particularly a bit younger or you maybe you're getting, you know, it's a little bit crazy and your mum's saying, oh, God, don't be an actor because what if you don't get famous? I've heard mum say that to you, so I was just using that one as an example. You're going to get famous via a podcast. <laughs> um, I think it can be really easy to be like, oh, I'm wrong. You know, I'm wrong about what I want. And you're not. You're, you're Nine times out of ten, you're not. Because you know it's the thing you think about when you wake up, when you're doing, you know. I've said to people before, I've never, I never feel more alive than I feel on that before. I feel totally out of control and in control at the same time. I feel confident. I feel, um, you know, really nervous. I feel like I, you feel everything. And, and what an incredible feeling. And if you can find that thing, then why would you ever give that up? Like, ever. You, you just want to bottle it and drink it every morning. And I think that if you know yourself well enough and you like something, then do it. And the second thing would be, if it's not going well, don't be afraid to go out and seek help and take a step back from it and have a look at it, right? Because, you know, you also want to like yourself and enjoy doing it. So... But yeah, that, that would be my advice. Know yourself, and if you like it, off your children. The thing about this podcast is, and I guess starting a podcast, everyone starts a podcast, you know, like it's, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. But what is a podcast? <laughs> yeah, you, they're really taking off. They're big in America. They're going to come here soon. Oh, but the thing is, the people that I talk to are people that I want to sit down and have an hour conversation with. And... I want to learn lessons about them. So the thing that you just said about that clarity of being on the netball court. So as you know, and I talk a bit on the pod, I'm running a lot at the moment. You are. And every time I get to the 10 kilometer mark, the first thing that pops into my head, well, probably the second, the first thing is my right hip really hurts and dad's given us terrible hips. Oh. But the second is I want to start that podcast. Yeah. And it used to be the same, right? And now I'm running three times a week and three times a week I hear, I want to start that podcast. I had that mental clarity. And obviously when I'm not running, I'm like, 
no one will listen, everyone starts a podcast, your friends will bully you, but it's like, when I'm at my best, I want to start a podcast, so I'm going to do it, and it's awesome, I get to hear incredible stories from people that I just get to sit in a room with, and it's it's really exciting, so we all do have that voice in the back of your head, and you spoke perfectly about that advice, and I'd completely vouch for it, yeah, just and do I, it. And I think that voice, like, I think you can hate that voice. But that voice is protecting you. It's trying to protect you. Love that voice. Learn to love that that voice that that's telling you, oh, Rachel. Because then you start to think about it more. And, and I guess what my point is, is if it's so overwhelmingly, even with the doubts, you want to do it, then why, why aren't you doing it? Like, because, you know, Neville's been incredibly kind to me and... and you know, I've had some phenomenal experiences with it. But there are there are terrible days. There are days that are crap. I remember so vividly, and I've told you this story, uh, off pod, I believe that's what they say, um, that when I made the, um, like the first national team for the first time, I did the stupid thing and never ever do this for anyone listening. Uh, and I read the Facebook comments and someone said, and I quote, Dylan McPherson is the most overrated mid arc in the country. Now, I think it was mum with a burner account. No, but, but I read that. Mona Dick Ferson. <laughs> yeah. She no. could have come up with a different name. Yeah, she's not the sharpest. But um, I read that and I thought, I'm, I'm withdrawing. I can't, like, I can't do that. And, and then, you know, you show people and you laugh it off and it's someone's opinion and I'm not saying they're right or they're wrong. They could be right, but it's their opinion. Like, and if you start letting that voice either your voice or other people tell you that it's right or wrong, then, of course, you're not going to do anything because you're going to be petrified of it. So, yeah, I think that's really important. And, um, you know, good on you for getting to 10 days because I don't, I don't need to do that kind of <laughs> so, we are We have been talking about this thing, but I guess it's good. The podcast is conversation, yeah? And, yeah, it's that your mind wants to be comfortable, right? Your mind doesn't want to be socially excluded but also when you're going for a run and you get to three k's and your calf starts to hurt your mind wants to stop yeah i guarantee you just keep running your mind wants to be comfortable and all the good things in life happen outside of that comfort zone you can't play for australia if you want to be comfortable you can't run over 10 k's if you want to be comfortable all the time yeah and you have and you know the hardest bit about being an athlete, I hesitate to say that about myself, but the hardest bit is that the higher you get, the better you get, and the more critique you get. Because it's not about catch the ball, it's about catch the ball this way, don't turn this way. If you catch the ball here, you've got to then do it. Like, it is so intricate that what they want us to do that it becomes, you know, incredibly challenging. Um, but I think that the that that minutia is what makes it so special is, you know, someone's literally watched you play for 10 hours and they've got something to, they'd like to say to you. Like, how cool is that, that someone cares enough? Every podcast I get a fan question. Someone that either I know that is interested... Mum. <laughs> or dad. <laughs> it's someone that I know that's either interested in your chosen field, they're interested in you as... Uh, person um so this week you get two which is quite special so the first question is an anonymous one and the second one we have a name so 
the anonymous question for this week is was Tim Dixon the greatest men's netballer never to be? No. Cool. So we have a second question from a listener. This person did give their name. It's from a Tim D. So I don't I don't know if that's at all related to the last question. It does it does seem similar. But he asked a serious one. So he asked, Will you ever be satisfied with your netball career? And if the answer is no, what will it take for you to be satisfied? Oh, wow. Um, yes. Has it happened yet? No. What do you think will be the moment when you... Oh, I, I think... Um, there, there's still some things I'd like to achieve in netball. I'd, I'd really love to win a national title. Um, that's a big thing for me and, um, you know, it's an incredible group of guys that I've had the privilege of playing ever with nearly 10 years now. So, uh, we really want to win one, um, so we can retire happy. Um, so that, that there's probably like a few things like that, like just goal things that I, I'd love to achieve. The reason I hesitate to say yes is, is sort of bringing back to what we spoke about before is I think I'll... I'm content with my career to this point, and I think yeah, there's probably people listening, if they play netball, they're going, how do you, like, you've had so many great things, and got, haven't I, like, so many cool things, and I'm, I'm super grateful for, for what's played out in my career. But I think it, it right now, I've achieved everything in netball, bar that national title, but I know that in five years' time, yeah, there's there's talk of com games, there's talk of Olympics, there's as we were saying before, you know, maybe one day people get paid. And I think that's what makes it hard for me to say yes, because I set my goals in netball around what's possible for me in, in the context that I play in the time period I play. But I know that, that it will move on, that the sport will evolve and there will be things later that I obviously can never achieve having retired um, that maybe I'll look back on and think, oh, God, you know, that would have been, that would have been incredible. Um, so I think, yeah, so yes, uh, but I think it'll, you know, ask me again in five years. The thing with the first, it's a great answer to the second question. The thing with the first anonymous question, and no offence to Tim. Well, we don't know who sent it in. <laughs> no offense to Anon. Yeah. But you do get how often this is a question that I wanted to ask you earlier, but I thought I'd save it till later. When I say my brother plays netball for Australia, every guy goes, Oh yeah, I could probably do that. Like like I actually play center in my Wednesday night um Lord's team and like I'm actually pretty good. Like I play with my missus and and like I'm probably the best player in the team. Because they're just like a semi coordinated six foot two male are playing against, you know, investment bankers and stuff that live in an apartment in Subiaco. How yeah. many how many people say and talk like that? I think a lot of people say that. Um but I have also publicly said that I think I could have been a gymnast of the Olympics for absolutely no reason. But I just have that vibe. So I think look, I you know, men playing netball is great. So 
normalize it, go out, play social leagues. That's so phenomenal. I think I, I always say to people when they say that to me is come and watch the men, um, you know, at, at either a stately level or a state level or even better at a national level, and you will realize that it's so much more than being tall and athletic. Like, they are that, but they also, you know, Riley Richardson runs a 20 on the yo-yo comfortably like his fit is a fiddle he's a nurse studying medicine like he's got a bit going on and he's phenomenal he's a phenomenal athlete like what yeah come and watch and then make the assessment because i mean you played and that that nearly that was nearly enough to stop me if that if we were comfortable with that being there for what you were doing so you know these guys don't step, they don't drag their feet, you know, that Jerome shoot, Jerome missed one goal for the whole Trans-Tasman series, like, they're just elite, so, yep, good on you, but, but you know, come and, and play with the big boys, I think, and, and, and let me know after that. Yeah, so what I heard is, come to Western Royal Trials, which is your one club, and yes. me and the boys will flat, yeah. is that what you're saying? I probably, I probably won't, just because I'm, like, pretty small um, and old, but... Yeah, maybe some of them will. Um, <laughs> someone will get you. Someone will get you. Um, yeah, it won't be mad. Nah, I, look, I think that it's natural, isn't it? Like, you, you play a sport and, and yeah, there's usually something like netball where people probably don't even know there is an Australian men's netball team, so they're probably like, oh, yeah, I could do that. But, you know, these guys, we're talking, you know, someone like myself, for example, I've been playing netball for nearly 18 years. I train five times a week. Like... You, you develop a certain skill set when you do that, um, and it's it's probably a little bit beyond social football. It's similar to the mentality of me watching the T20 Cricket World Cup and thinking, like, if mum had been born in Amsterdam, I probably could have played for the Netherlands. Like, they're not that good, you know? Like, I'm playing... Yeah, and they would straight up blow you up. Yeah, and I'm playing the equivalent of 27th grade in Perth. Yeah. But I reckon I could play for a small European nation. Oh, like Luxembourg or, like, somewhere... Yeah, like the Vatican. The Vatican. Yeah, I, look, I, I I, just actually really love when we get new guys coming into netball. I think it's really cool when, you know, particularly cross-codes, obviously that's pretty much how it always happens. But, you know, you have few guys coming in or, or guys that play basketball and, and their first reaction is, whoa, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm good in, in C grade at Belmont Oasis, but this is pretty different. And I think, you know, it's, it's lovely to hear, but it's also... You know, speaks volumes of the pathway of men's netball in WA that we're not churning out just good athletes, we're churning out really good netballers, and that's what we want to be doing. And you know, that's what it gives you opportunities like playing the Fever or playing the Diamonds is they recognize that these guys, you know, have incredible verticals, they're, they're you know, male athletes, but they're also incredibly technically good. And I, I think that's, um, yeah, been such a change in the last three or four years. The thing about the podcast is obviously a lot of people get drawn into listening to podcasts because they hear a name or they go, that's something, someone that I want to hear from. Are you worried that won't happen? So that's probably not today's vibe. <laughs> no, but the, the people that I get on the show are people that, one, I want to hear from and also people that have a great story to tell. Quite often when I ask people to come on, I have to convince them that their story is worth sharing. Um, Dylan, it's been awesome hearing from you. I'm obviously from a personal side, I'm very proud of you and love you very much. And you're a great brother and a great, um, a great friend as well. But 
for all the people out there listening. I think you're a great man. You're driving the game forward. As you said, you're a custodian. You're a mentor. You're, you're paving the way for people. And it takes a, it says a lot about a person to be able to pave the way for people without getting any necessary benefit for themselves. Obviously, you're going to be the first Indian Premier League men's netball coach. You're going to get paid somewhere in, in the realm of eight US billion dollars. But until that day, you're doing it out of the goodness of your own heart. Um, your story's been incredible, mate. I'm sure it'll inspire. It was great to get a bit of an insight into what goes on in men's netball. And thanks very much for, for coming on and all the best for the future. Maybe, as you said, hopefully a con games or something like that where, where men's netball can be on the on the on the real big stage. No, thanks very much and um, I'm very, very grateful to to be asked to come on and um, yeah, I, I do also like you and I'm very proud of what you're doing. So um, yeah, hopefully it inspires some people and, and hopefully it challenges some people and, and what they believe in. I think that's the way we, we keep going forward. So thanks heaps. If someone wants to play or to watch men's netball or even um, netball itself, as as you said, the, the game is sort of, you know, it's in an interesting phase at the moment. Um, how do people get around what you guys are doing and netball as a whole? Yeah, so I think depending on where you are, just contact your local state association, so Netball WA, Netball New South Wales, something like that, and they'll be able to point you to the men's and mixed netball programs and, and sort of those those people will be able to point you in the right direction. But, you know, Suncorp Super Netball starts in March. It's, it's on KO and... You know, I'd encourage everyone to just check it out and, and you know see how incredibly talented those women are and and you know hopefully they're out there inspiring the next generation of young women to play netball but beyond that I hope they're inspiring some young men to, to stick with it so um, yeah there's plenty out there you just have to search a little harder than other sports but um, yeah and if you came to have a look at what these guys do Dylan and his fellow three. Um, WA compatriots. The replays are still up on KO. The recent two games from the recent Trans Tasman series, as well as all the guys from across the country, it was it was it was it was pretty special to see it all on uh, on Fox Netball. Um, so yeah, thanks very much, Dylan. Thanks very much for for coming on the show, and I think uh, your story will be one that the listeners will love. How good was that? Towards the end, we really started to dive into some some things that that even now, a little while after the recording, I'm they're still rattling around in the back of my head, and I'm still, you know, finding them a you know a source of thought, but also a source of inspiration. Some of the things we we talked about, I guess, the moral of Dylan's story is is believing in yourself. There's always going to be a voice in the back of your head that's worried about other people's opinions or worried that, you know, you might put so much effort into something for minimal reward. What if it doesn't work out? But you just have to back yourself. I was watched a YouTube video, Dr. Russ Harris, I think his name is. He has a YouTube channel. It's really interesting. He talks a lot about, you know, myths of happiness and um, about how humans evolve and stuff. And he was talking about um, myths of happiness and he was saying that you know, you can't feel happy all the time, but uh, a different way to define happiness would be striving towards a meaningful goal and setting your mind 
on a goal um, and knowing that regardless of what's going on in your life and regardless of the emotions that you're feeling, you know that you're heading towards that goal. And it was something that I found really interesting. Uh, And Dylan's obviously got clear set goals, things that he wants to achieve, and he's always trying to get better. He's always working hard. And I think that you can tell the way that he speaks about netball. He's truly loving that and deriving a lot of happiness from that. So anyone listening who wanted to go give something a go and they are still a bit worried, just go get it. Put your head down, block out the noise, put your headphones in, your metaphorical noise-cancelling headphones, and just go get it Um, because you can achieve a lot if you really set your mind to it and don't worry about what people say. Me, with the podcast, there's lots of people. I can hear their voice in the back of my head right now um, telling me how silly it is and how it's never going to work out, but bugger them. I don't care. I like it. I like what I'm doing, so I'm going to keep going. But thank you very much for for listening to the episode with Dylan. I hope that you got a lot out of it. I, I know I certainly did, even though he's my brother and we're very close listening to him in that platform. I... I got more out of him than I ever have before and it was really cool to have a chat. So thanks very much, Dylan, for for coming on if you're listening. Um, Make sure you like, subscribe, tell your friends about the show. Keep checking in with your mind, checking in with your mates and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Much love.